Welcome to How You Spend Your Days. The goal of this show is to explore debt, break down the stigma around talking about money, and share my own journey of becoming debt-free. My name is Colin Loretz, and today we are talking about habits. More specifically, we are kind of doing a book review episode on the book Atomic Habits by James Clear. And uh, this is a book that I came across uh, in a lot of podcasts that I listened to. He was a guest on quite a few episodes of some of my favorite podcasts, and I definitely had to check it out, um, mostly because some of the things that he was talking about are things that we all kind of take for granted. They're things that we we know we should be doing, um, you know, developing good habits, trying to crush some of our bad habits. But what I really like about Atomic Habits is that he puts it in a way that you can start small and eventually build up to uh, really large outcomes. Uh, And that's something that we really have to think about when thinking about getting out of debt or buying a house or figuring out some large financial goal, because that goal is not going to be something that you can achieve overnight or in a week or in a month. And so you need to be able to have these small gains, small wins, uh, so that you can continue towards that larger goal. Uh, and so this is something that we've been weaving into a program we do at the co-working space. We, we run a program, um, for six weeks where, um, myself or somebody else facilitates a group of our members to focus on their goals for six weeks. And, We've done this uh, about six times so far, and in this latest one, we've been incorporating a lot of the Atomic Habits uh, ideas and philosophies into it, and it's, it's really helped us. In the six-week program, uh, you know, our members open up about some of the struggles that they're having, uh, challenges, roadblocks, uh, and focusing in their own business. And so it's six weeks to really focus on uh, your own company, your freelance work, your clients, whatever that is, because when we're working for clients, we don't always have time to think about uh, ourselves or our processes and those kinds of things. And so uh, in doing so, one of our members, Annie Flans, and I have been talking about this idea of time debt. And for me, it's it, it shows up in the same way with actual, um, you know, credit card debt, which is, you know, you get behind on things and then you wait for this mythical day where you're going to have all this time where you're just going to get ahead. Uh, and in my case, you know, I've been waiting for you know, the next big project or the next big client that's going to just help me wipe out uh, that debt. And so what we've been talking about is that what would you do differently if you knew that that mythical day of hours or that mythical project client, whatever it might be, would never happen? most likely it's never going to happen, right? And so if you knew that was never going to happen, you can stop acting and behaving in a way where you're expecting it to. So what would you do instead? You Would you spread that workout, uh, make an appointment with yourself each morning to maybe tackle some of that over a week or over multiple weeks, depending on how much um, work you're behind on? In the case of debt, you know, with this show, we're thinking about how do we stretch out that goal and figure out how each day, each week, uh, we can start to make a small dent in that instead of relying on the silver bullet of, you know, that one project, that one client that's going to just 
tilt everything over the edge. And so what I really like about this idea is this is exactly what Atomic Habits talks about and what James Clear uh, describes. And, and there's a lot of parallels between how he talks about habits and how we've been talking about money. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and read this section here that I really like, which is that habits are the compound interest of self-improvement. The same way that money multiplies through compound interests, the effects of your habits multiply as you repeat them. They seem to make little difference on any given day, and yet the impact they deliver over the months and years can be enormous. It is only when looking back two, five, or perhaps ten years later that the value of good habits and the cost of bad ones becomes strikingly apparent. And so he's equating habits to the compounding interest that we find in money. And compound interest can go in two directions. It can go in the positive and in the negative direction, right? When you are in credit card debt, you're dealing with compound interest of the debt that you carry. But if you are working on, you know, investing, you're looking at compound interest uh, in both investment accounts and savings accounts and that sort of thing. And so you can uh, compound in the positive direction. Uh, and this doesn't just apply to money. So when we start to think about positive compounding, we have things like productivity and knowledge and relationships. These are things that the more time and attention you put into them, they compound in a positive direction. They create stronger relationships. You can learn more. You become more productive. Uh, same goes for negative direction. You have things like stress, uh, worrying about making ends meet, uh, financial health just in general uh, attributing to that stress, uh, negative thoughts or uh, doubt, things like that, that the more you believe that you aren't something or aren't worthy of something, the more you start to believe that that's true. And so with that, another section from the book that he really talks about is uh, that your outcomes are a lagging measure of your habits. And so, you know, what we're doing today, we're not going to see a huge outcome tomorrow, but a small incremental improvement day in and day out is going to allow us to see changes over time. And that's pretty straightforward. I think we can all agree that that's something that would happen. So how do we get to the point where we can actually instill these habits and focus on small wins along the way so that we can have these large outcomes? Uh, with that idea that your outcomes are a lagging measure of your habits, uh, he talks about here, your net worth is a lagging measure of your financial habits, your weight is a lagging measure of your eating and physical habits, your clutter is a lagging measure of your cleaning habits, you get what you repeat. So again, very obvious here, we all know what we should be doing, we all know, you know, we'll go to the dentist and they'll tell us that, you know, you need to be flossing more, but you know, having that guilt at the dentist's office is not enough. Otherwise, we would not be having that talk with the dentist every single uh, time we go. And so what we need to think about is what kinds of things can we do day to day to help, you know, make those outcomes and goals possible? Uh, you know, for me, it's getting out of debt. For you, it might be saving up a certain amount of money to buy a house. It might be just getting to a good place where you have an emergency fund and uh, are able to have a better relationship with your money because you have more control over it. You know where what's coming in, what's going out. Whatever that looks like for you, there are a lot of small steps and habits that you can develop to uh, get to that point. So with that, we're going to talk about the four laws uh, that James Clear has come up with for creating good habits. So the first law is to make it obvious. Uh, the second one is to make it attractive. The third one is to make it easy. And then finally, to make it satisfying. This habit loop is something that has been explored by other uh, habit 
experts. James is a contemporary of, of Charles Duhigg and his books. Uh, and so when we break into each of these, when you think about making it obvious, making it attractive, making it easy, and then finally making it satisfying, you have to think about how to celebrate small wins. That's that's that satisfying end to this loop. Uh, but we need to make it obvious and we need to make it easy. So what can you do in your environment that puts that habit front and center so that it's so easy to do? For me, Instead of thinking about cutting down on spending on food and restaurants and things like that, I had to make cooking at home so easy. And so, and I had to make it satisfying. And in the case of cooking, thankfully, the meal is almost always the reward. There's very few times where I will cook something and feel like I wish that I had gone out. It's getting across that barrier, that resistance of uh, making it obvious, making it attractive, and making it easy so that you actually do that thing. Uh, And so for me, that's making sure that when I go buy groceries that I spend the time to actually do a little bit of prep. Uh, I'm not doing my full meal prep at that time, but instead I'm breaking down everything and having it ready to go so that when uh, I want to make lunch or dinner or whatever that might be, I have all the things ready to go. I don't have that resistance of even having to think about what I need to do next because things have already been prepared. For you, that might be different. Uh, If you're trying to um, cut back on coffee shops or bars, you know, making sure that you're not setting up meetings uh, and things to, uh, well, we'll actually come back to that because that's more about breaking a bad habit. Um, but when you think about these creating good habits, you need to think about how do you make it attractive? How do you make it satisfying? And then you can repeat those. And it's important to be able to repeat those because as we mentioned, you get what you repeat. And we're going to go into that in a little bit as well. So let's go back into, uh, kind of defeating or crushing a bad habit. So let's use that same example. You want to uh, cut down on the amount of times you're going out to buy drinks or uh, going out to coffee shops and things like that. And so the, the way that James lays this out is that he inverts the four laws. And so instead of making something obvious, you want to make it invisible. Uh, instead of making it attractive, you want to make it unattractive. Uh, Instead of making it easy, you want to make it difficult. And then finally, you want to make it unsatisfying. And so this is not easy when you first start trying to wean yourself off of these learned behaviors of going out to eat, uh, autopilot of going out to the bar, ordering a lift, all these different things. And so when we start to think about how do we make something difficult, how do we make it invisible, you can literally... Uh, remove yourself from that environment. And so don't be taking meetings at coffee shops if you know you're prone to spending a lot of money there. Uh, Coming up with ways to go out with friends at home, you know, buying drinks uh, at, at home and hosting people in your own home or at their home is much more affordable and you can have a game night or something else um, so that you can control that environment. When you're out at a bar, there are all these factors that come into, you know, the bar wants you to buy more drinks. Once you do these things and you wean yourself off of it, you can then decide to go out to a bar or a coffee shop with full intention and enjoy it more than when you were mindlessly doing those things. Uh, and so those are the four laws. Um, they're more of a practical approach to this. I think a lot of times, you know, even when you think about flossing and that example, 
We all know we should be doing it. So how do you make it obvious and easy? How do you make sure that it's, you know, if it's going to be flossing, you're not hiding the floss in a drawer where you don't see it. You know, you need to make it obvious. It should be, you know, right next to the toothbrush. It should be on display. You know, maybe you invest in a nice flosser or a water pick or something like that. Uh, and, you know, making that as easy as possible so that there is no reason for you not to do it. So when we think about translating this into what we're talking about with money uh, and productivity and habits around that, I've found, and we've talked about this on the show before, that focusing on my money has had these network effects on all the other areas of my life. Uh, and I wasn't expecting that. And I think what was going on here and why I really gravitated towards this book is that these little things that I've been doing to get a better sense of where I'm spending my money uh, and to wean myself off of going out to restaurants as my first impulse have had effects on things like cooking at home has translated to uh, better physical health, you know, better uh, culinary skills. You know, I, I'm learning how to cook new things. Uh, I'm enjoying cooking. Uh, you know, being able to have that experience is more mindful and having more intent around where I'm spending money. And so when you think about it, you have to think about how am I going to get through this long plateau of progress? Because when you're working on that large goal of getting out of debt, you need to make it fun. You need to make it attractive. You need to make it easy because we're going to be doing this for a long time. Uh, and uh, James goes into this example of what progress really looks like that I think is pretty brilliant because you can be doing the same thing over and over again and not see a large outcome. Uh, but at some point, the adding up of each of those little 1% changes is going to push the scale over to the point where you're going to be seeing uh, a change. And so so let's go ahead and jump into his example. Uh, imagine that you have an ice cube sitting on the table in front of you. The room is cold and you can see your breath. It is currently 25 degrees. Ever so slowly, the room begins to heat up. 26 degrees, 27, 28. The ice cube is still sitting on the table in front of you. 29 degrees, 30, 31, still nothing has happened. Then 32 degrees, the ice begins to melt. A one degree shift, seemingly no different from temperature increases before it, has unlocked a huge change. So what I love about this is it shows that literally one degree changes over and over and over again had no outward effect on the ice cube. And so this is going to happen when we're trying to chip away at credit card debt. You're going to be paying whatever your plan is, or you're going to be saving away money, and you need to have ways of seeing some kind of outcome. And so we know that for, you know, in my case, that change might be when I hit uh, paying off half of a card or a full card and being able to uh, no longer worry about it. But until then, I need to focus on uh, savings goals or something else that will allow me to get through that plateau, knowing that each of these small uh, changes, these small habits and actions that I'm doing are going to add up to that eventual change. So when we start to think about that and we know that there's this long plateau ahead of us, how do we change our motivation from what right now at the beginning of this podcast has largely been an external motivation, right? I had these external factors of, uh, you know, just having enough uh, of being in the situation where I needed to change something. I still wouldn't call that intrinsic motivation. And you're really only going to do 
things because you're intrinsically motivated. Uh, and intrinsic motivation can be difficult because you have to truly want to do something uh, if you're going to be doing it for a really long time and expect to see those results. And so what I really think I've come away with most, uh, and if you are enjoying any of this, definitely check out James Clear's book, uh, Atomic Habits. This next part is is definitely my favorite, and it's something that has changed how I think about goals um, because goals are usually the thing that we always focus on. We usually think about the outcome. We want to get out of debt. We want to buy a house. We want to lose weight. Uh, we want to be healthier, whatever that might look like. But instead, we really should be focusing on the habits that allow us to become that kind of person. And so James talks about this as an identity-based outcome. Instead of focusing on the actual outcome, we're going to be focusing on the identity, which is essentially uh, that instead of trying to write a book, the goal would be to become a writer. Uh, instead of the goal being uh, to run a marathon, the goal should be to become a runner. And this continues on. Uh, the goal is not to learn an instrument. The goal is to become a musician. And so he says here, the ultimate form of intrinsic motivation is when a habit becomes a part of your identity. It's one thing to say, I'm the type of person who wants this. And it's something very different to say, I'm the type of person who is this. Uh, and so the true, true behavior change is identity change. So this can be a little bit of a double-edged sword because every time you say you can't do something uh, or aren't worthy of something, you're reinforcing that identity that you aren't that. And as we talked about before, these negative thoughts compound. And so instead, you need to think about the things that you want to accomplish, right? Getting out of debt, saving for a house, whatever that is. And you need to think about every action that you take as a vote for the type of person that you wish to become. Because... As he talks about here, no single instance will transform your beliefs, but as the votes build up, so does the evidence for your new identity. This is the one reason why meaningful change does not require radical change. And I really like that. Every action you take is a vote for the type of person you wish to become. So then the steps become decide the type of person that you want to become and then prove it to yourself with small wins. If you want to be cooking at home more and learn those skills, do things that allow you to think uh, of yourself as a home cook. Uh, you know, that doesn't necessarily mean having to go out and getting lots of new, you know, tools, right? No, you don't have to go out and get a chef's knife and all those things. But instead, learning a new recipe, uh, learning a new ingredient or how to use it, uh, coming up with all these things that allow yourself to think about yourself as a home cook. Because when you start to think about that, now you're no longer focused on the outcome, but on the behaviors that allow you to be that kind of person. Uh, and when you think about it that way, when you think about the identity and the habits that you're going to develop, the goal will almost always take care of itself. So for me, my goal is not just to get out of debt, but to build habits that help me to become the type of person who is debt free and has a healthy relationship with money. Now, if we go back to the habits, this is still not super obvious. It's a little ambiguous. What does it mean to have a healthy relationship with money? Uh, what is the type of person who has no debt? 
So what are some of the habits that a debt-free person has, or what are some of the habits that a person with a healthy relationship with money has? Those may be being able to put away money uh, every time you get paid for savings, uh, investments, retirement. Uh, It might mean having a healthy relationship with credit cards. So if you're going to use those financial tools, making sure that you're paying off the balance uh, or having a plan for that. And so for me, that's figuring out what habits can I develop to become the kind of person who will be out of debt and stay out of debt. So I want you to think about that too, like what goal do you have and instead invert that on what type of person achieves that goal. So if your goal is to run a marathon, you need to think again, how do I become a runner? Because going from zero to 26 miles is not something that's going to happen overnight, just like we're not going to get out of debt overnight. So what is the first 1% improvement that we can do? It's putting on our running shoes. It's going out for a single run, then another run, uh, then eventually you're going to get to longer runs. And the goal there is to get to build up the muscle literally and mentally around running to the point where you now identify as a runner. So now I want to leave you with that challenge of figuring out what is the type of person that you want to become, the identity that you want to adopt. Uh, If you already have that, awesome, but figuring out what type of habits do you want to develop so that you can cast these votes and prove it to yourself with small wins over and over again. So that'll do it for episode 16. This has been a book review for James Clear's Atomic Habits. Uh, It's definitely a book that I recommend uh, if you really want to get tactical and focus on getting things done more than just reading about them. I think we have a tendency to read about all the best ways to do things and we don't always get a chance to actually do them. And so I've been very mindful of that in this podcast as well. I want to keep this tactical and strategic so that you can put some of these things into effect in your own life so you can accomplish your own goals. Uh, And if you do, I want to hear about it. So you can reach out to us at uh, howyouspendyourdays.com, on Instagram and Twitter at uh, howyouspend. And uh, just love to hear what what's working for you. Uh, some of you have reached out and shared, uh, you know, photos of your receipts where you were able to hit the thirty dollar a week uh, grocery budget, or have let me know that you've cut your uh, just expenses in general in half, which is fantastic. So uh, keep them coming, and we will see you next week. Music in this episode from Blue Dot Sessions.